Today, we are looking at a part of God's Word where we hear Jesus teach His disciples and us, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Now, I remember when I was younger, hearing those words, whether it was uh, from a preacher or a teacher or even reading them myself, and I thought to myself, who in the world is my enemy? For it seemed like most people around me thought the way I thought, lived the way I lived, and did the kinds of things that I did. But of course, how things have changed. If you cannot think of someone that you would put in the category of enemy now, I think you may not be paying attention. For we live in a world full of enemies. We have athletic team loyalty enemies. We have favorite type of truck enemies. We have, of course, political opponent enemies. It seems that we don't just have people that we have a disagreement of opinion about, but because of social media and just the increased polarization in our world, we have enemies, both uh, from our perspective and, of course, from theirs. And so perhaps these words from Jesus will ring more true, and I pray get deeper down into our hearts as we're more aware of a situation where we have enemies surrounding us. So listen now to Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through verse 36. Hear now the, the word of God. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Thus ends the reading of our text. When we study God's Word, we need His mercy. And so let's pray and ask for that even now. Most merciful God, our Heavenly Father, we pray even now and ask that you will help us as we study your word. Help the one who listens, that they will hear your words, that they will believe your words, that they will be changed by your words, and that your spirit will help them to live these words in their lives. Oh Lord, I pray that your spirit will help me that I might speak your words, speak them in a way that encourages 
the people who listen and gives glory to you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. As we look at this wonderful text uh, today, I want us to look at it under three headings. The first one we're going to call tough love. Uh, the second one, second one is gracious love. And the third is reflective love. So let's look at those in turn. First of all, I want us to look at the, these uh, commands under the heading tough love. Now, if you have been around for a while, you may have heard tough love referred to uh, love you give in a difficult situation. It might be an obstinate child and how you have to be stern and you have to be steadfast in the face of that obstinacy. Or it might be someone that is struggling in the throes of addiction and you have to be tougher than you would want to be, but because you love them and want their best, you're tougher. And that's the way we think about tough love. But I mean tough love in a different sense. Uh, what I'm saying is the kind of love that Jesus here describes is hard kind of love. It is hard to love like Jesus says. As a matter of fact, I could really call it impossible love. You see, Jesus here gives a series of instructions that seem utterly beyond us. They're tough. Why? Because these things are not our tendency. It is not our tendency to love people who hate us. Our tendency is to hate them right back. It's not our tendency to keep giving to someone who's taken from us. Our tendency is to look for vengeance in ways we can get them back. In other words, these things are just not our tendency. And even more than that, even if we listen to these words and we said to ourselves, this week I am going to do everything that Jesus tells me in this text, we will quickly find, if we go out in our own strength, that these things are impossible to do. They are not easy things to do. You say, well, they sound easy. Do they? Really? When someone's asked you for something and you've given it to them, and then they ask you for something and you give it to them, and they ask you for something and you give it to them, and they ask you and ask you and ask you, is it easy to continue to give? For this is what Jesus says, give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Is that our sort of uh, thinking or our actions? No, it is not easy. And worse than that, it is not being modeled in the world around us. Let's face it, the neighbors and people we uh, play with and work with are not modeling this kind of love, this kind of patience, this kind of uh, response to us when things get hard. No, they're modeling a very uh, retributive uh, sort of love. In other words, they they give you about as good as they as it gets. As a matter of fact, most people uh, around us are living the opposite of verse 31. Uh, instead of uh, doing unto others as we would wish them uh, to do to us, they're giving it to others just like they got it from them. I mean, in other words, we it, we just don't have the modeling around us. So it's not it's not our tendency. It's certainly not easy. It's not being modeled. Fourthly, I want us to see that it is a tough love because it is really a love that's not about us. 
You see, when Jesus gives these instructions, he wasn't saying this is the way just every old person in the whole wide world ought to treat one another. Now, I think he certainly could be uh, understood as saying this is the way every person in the world ought to be loving one another. But in reality, he's talking about a specific group of people. Remember, he is speaking to a group of disciples. That means followers. These are commands for people who follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, he is reiterating that by his uh, comparisons or his illustrations in verse 32 uh, through verse 34. He says, look, people who follow me need to be different than everybody else in the world. We see the expression he gives to them. He calls them sinners here, which means just the whole collection of humanity that misses the mark of God's standard. He said, no, my followers have to stand out in the world in which they live. The rest of the world might love those who love them, but you need to go beyond that. The rest of the world gives to people who can give them something back, but you're supposed to go beyond that if you're a follower of mine. Do you see that these instructions of Jesus are not about us? They are about Jesus who we follow. Now, I know that some writers, when they look at this, and even some of you listening may be thinking of this, uh, talk about all of these commands of Jesus, and they put them under the category of hyperbolic commands. What they mean by that is Jesus doesn't intend for us to literally do all of the things that he instructs in this text, but he's simply giving us a hyperbole. That means he's uh, stretching or exaggerating uh, the reality so that he can drive the point home to our hearts. Now, I'm not so sure uh, that he intends them to be uh, hyperbole, as I'll get to later on in this message. But let's just say for sake of argument that he is. He is exaggerating uh, because he's trying to make his point. Okay, so that means the truth of it is uh, something that these kinds of hyperboles point to. Well, do we even live that kind of life? Do we give that kind of love? Do we serve those who hate us in that kind of way? No, I suspect we don't even meet the bar of... Uh, you know, sort of uh, derived from the hyperbolic uh, commands. No, we struggle with this. This is a tough love for us. So secondly, I want us to see in this text that it, it is a gracious love. See, the kinds of things that Jesus is talking about in this text are things that are directed to a group of people. Notice at the very beginning of the text in verse 27, he says, but I say to you who hear, you see, earlier I said that Jesus meant these instructions for those who followed him, his disciples. But here he is even delineating a group of people within the group of people he's talking to. And who is it? It's those who hear. This is very similar to the expression we read elsewhere that says, he who has ears, let him hear. What Jesus means by these kinds of expressions is if you really understand what I'm saying. If you're one of those people that God graciously has allowed to understand who I am and what I'm saying, these words are for you. These words should resonate with you. These words should excite you. 
these words should motivate you. Why? Because I've heard the words of Jesus. Not just a man and a good teacher, but I've heard the words of God who took on flesh. I've heard the words of the perfect man, of God himself. I've heard the words of my Lord and Savior. I have heard them because the Spirit has brought them home to my ears. It is to those people that Jesus is saying these words apply. Is that true of me? Yes, by God's grace, when I was 21 years old, Jesus brought his words home to me through the power of his spirit. And he enabled me to hear his word and not have to do them, but want to do his word. Now, do I do them perfectly? I certainly do not, but I strive to become more like Jesus. Why? Because he has loved me. He has given himself for me and he has spoken to me. Why would I not want to listen and do the words that he gives? That's the group of people. So if I hear them, it is a gracious thing that I hear them at all. Secondly, I want us to understand that these kinds of love are not just hard or tough for us to exhibit in our life, but they are impossible. If we in our own strength attempt to love those who are our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, uh, to give and keep on giving to those who would take from us, then we need a strength and a power that's infinitely beyond ourselves. We need God's power working in us and working through us so that even when I may grip my teeth and say I will not love that enemy or I may hold on to my chair, white-knuckled, muscle-straining and say I will not do good for that one who hates me, nonetheless, because I've heard the words of Jesus, His Spirit speaks to me, and I say, I must, oh help me, Lord. I must, oh help me, Lord. And I take that step, and I go out and trust that the Spirit will enable me to reflect the Jesus who has spoken His Word to me as I show grace to those who hate me, even my enemy. Do you see, it is a gracious love, for it is only possible through the empowering of God's Spirit in our lives. Now, thirdly, and I really want us to make sure we get this, I want us to see that this kind of love is a reflective love. You see, if we go back to my first point, when I talked about the hyperbolic commands, you know, people say, well, well, certainly God wouldn't expect people to love like this. You see, Jesus in this message, he roots it in something that makes me see that, in fact, he does want us to live this way. And it is what he says at the end uh, of his uh, sermon. Notice at the end of verse 35, he says, your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. First of all, I want us to see in those words 
that God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Do you know how I know that? Because I am one of those people. I am an ungrateful and an evil person. Just ask anybody who's known me in my life. I'm an ungrateful and evil person. You see, even as a follower of Jesus, I often and um and am ungrateful. Now, I certainly say thank you before all of the meals that God has graciously given me. But how often have I been dissatisfied with the sufficiency that God has poured out upon me moment by moment, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, year by year. See, this is the reality of ungratefulness and evil. Well, sometimes I'm evil in my thoughts and sometimes in my words and sometimes in my deeds and more oftentimes than I would like to admit And the reality is that God continues to show his mercy to me. What Jesus is saying is, as someone who uh, understands more intimately than any of us can imagine, speaking as God in the flesh, he says, your heavenly father is merciful. He's merciful. That is his character. He always acts completely in line, in harmony with that character of mercy. You know that he does that even for people who don't love him, who haven't uh, confessed Christ and trusted in him for their salvation. For the Bible says that he causes the rain to fall on the just or the bad uh, or the good and the unjust or the evil. In other words, he's merciful even to people who don't want to have anything to do with him. At least he is during this life. And so here Jesus is saying, I am saying to love like this, not just loving in your heart or your head, but in your actions and in your generosity. Why? Because in doing so, you reflect God himself. And notice that he says that, uh, uh, that, uh, that this is a reward. That the reward is that by doing these things, that we show ourselves as sons of the Most High. You know how it is. Children often look like and act like their parents. You know, it is so common <laughs> when people see a little baby. They immediately say, oh, He looks like his mother. She looks like his father. Who in the world does she look like? You know, that kind of thing. And we're trying to figure out, who is this child a reflection of? Well, when the world sees the way we act, especially under pressure, adversity, and when people are coming against us, do we reflect the character of our father, our heavenly father, God himself? See, this is what he's saying. Secondly, I want us to see that Uh, Another reason to believe that Jesus in no way intends these to be hyperbolic commands is that this is the way Jesus himself lived. Think about the story of his life. If you've never read the story of his life, uh, I'll give you a quick summary. Jesus was born incredibly poor, and yet throughout his life, he never hung on to things. He didn't uh, respond to his poverty as a youth by hanging on to possessions or opportunities when they came his way, but he always lived in an open-handed way. 
with everything that came uh, into his possession and every opportunity that came. As a matter of fact, he was so generous with his time and energy that it tells us in one place that his family came to retrieve him because they thought they that he had lost his mind because he was living in such an utterly self-giving way. This is the way Jesus lived. And of course, we don't even have to uh, look at his whole life, but just at the end of his life. At the end of his life, Jesus gave up everything. He took cursing. He talks about people who slap you. He was slapped. He was cursed. He was stripped down, not just his outer garment, but his inner garment as well as he hung on the cross and saw people at the foot of his cross gambling for his clothes and yet, there on the cross, what is it that he says? This is what is so amazing. Jesus said while he is there on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's even as the soldiers were taking the few possessions he had left that Jesus prays a prayer for the mercy and blessing of God on the people that were executing him. You see, Jesus did not think of this as hyperbole. It was, it, was, uh, it was exactly the way he lived his life. And we need to understand it in a cosmic sense. It's not just practically how his story went, but it is true cosmically as well. You see, here Jesus tells us to bless those who curse us. I want us to look real quickly at Galatians chapter 3. There you will find out just how deeply uh, the cursing of Jesus goes. In Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse 10, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. What Paul is saying is if we have not followed every command of God, every instruction, and if we have not uh, stayed away from, abstained from all of the things that God has commanded us not to do, if we have not followed His commands about how we think and how we feel and how we act, then it says that we are under a curse. Well, how many? How many mistakes? How many rebellions? How many sins does it take? He says that if anyone who does not buy all, buy all the things. So in other words, if we haven't done all of it, that we're cursed. So that means what we deserve from God is cursing, to be cursed. And yet we've been talking this whole message about the fact that we're blessed by God. And so we bless others in return. How is that possible? How do we go from the state of being cursed into the state of being blessed and being allowed to be a blessing to others? Well, it is uh, further down in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 3. Paul continues, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. You see, when we see the cross, whether it's an emblem around someone's neck or a, a cross sitting in someone's home, we need to remember that cross 
is a curse. And it is a curse that Jesus gladly bore so that those of us who were cursed could be blessed instead. It even goes deeper. It doesn't just say that Jesus was cursed, but that He became the curse itself. He went all the way down. He drank it to the dregs, the cup of judgment, so that we can have the cup of life and enjoy Him for all eternity. It is because of this wonderful expression of what Jesus teaches here that He brought blessing where there was only curse that we can truly embrace all that it means to have the reward of the Son. You see, I said we, if we were sons, then we should reflect our Father who is in heaven. But if we have the reward of the Son mentioned here by Jesus, then we have the reward of the firstborn Son. The reward of Jesus Himself. The rest of Scripture teaches us that story. You see, we can be open hand and generous even now. We can be open-hearted and generous with our emotions. We can be patient and considerate with those that hate us or that disagree with us. Why? Because God has done so much for us already in Christ and because God will do so much for us in the future. You see, we are not needy people. We are filled people and constantly being filled people through the blessing of the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Is that a reality in your life? Are you one of those who have heard the words of Jesus and responded by faith? If so, then ask Him that He will continue to give you the strength to love without expecting things in return. To love even in the face of adversity. To love even in the face of hatred. To pray for those that are your enemies. Wow. What if those who follow Jesus reflected these words in our world today? It would stand out. It would stand out in beautiful relief to the dark and hateful world in which we live. I pray that God will bring a new day where Christians don't simply look past these kinds of teachings, but depending upon God's grace and His power in them, begin to live them in their families, their neighborhoods, their workplaces, their schools, and their playgrounds. I pray that God will do that for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You and thank You for this, Your Word, and pray even now that You will bless it to us, that You will help us by Your grace to hear Your words. Really hear it and see in it the beauty of Jesus Christ and be drawn ever closer to Him. If we have believed these things but have fallen into the practices of the world around us, oh Lord, help us to repent as we see the beauty and the power of what is offered to us in Christ and help us to depend upon the Spirit instead of depending on our own strength in this adversarial world in which we live. Help us, Lord, 
Help us that we might be different and shine in this world as a light of Your goodness and mercy, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this time in God's Word. I pray that indeed it has been a blessing to you. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we know the days continue and uh, you have so many things going on as you try to live life during COVID and all of the rest, but we would love to hear from you. All the information is on the screen. If you would like to visit us online or send us an email, uh, we would love to get that. We always respond uh, to your comments. And uh, now, before you go, I want you to receive one more blessing. The Word itself is a blessing, but this is the blessing in God's Word. Hear it now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.